Welcome to the Pacey Performance Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with strength and conditioning coach at the United States Olympic Committee, Tim Pello. Thanks for tuning in to episode 117 of the Pacey Performance Podcast. So today we have a part two with Tim Pello, the SNC coach at uh, the United States Olympic Committee. So this this episode was recorded quite a while ago, probably five or six weeks ago, uh, by just back end of December. And the reason I've kept it in the bank is because it's unlike probably any other episode I've done in regards to it being very reflective and I've kind of held back because I thought it'd be perfect for the first one of the new year, first one of 2017. So I'm not going to give too much away, but there's so many um, nuggets in there from Tim. Just with regards to, like I say, reflecting, um, we talk about the kind of guru mindset um, that, that's out there, as well as a, a multitude of other things that I'm sure you'll find really interesting. So I think it's a perfect way to start off uh, 2017. Just before we get into the chat with Tim, we have a, a little section from the sponsor of the podcast today, Coach Me Plus. So it's just two or three minutes uh, with the guys down there, which I'm sure you'll enjoy and which has been going on for the last uh, couple of months. So always informative from the guys at Coach Me Plus and massive thanks to them for sponsoring the episode today. So straight after that, we'll be getting into the episode with Tim. So hope you enjoy and I'll speak to you soon. This is Doug McKenney from Coaching Plus with your Sports Science Minute. We're at a time where sports performance and sports science are doing more daily tracking and measurements than ever before. We measure all kinds of things, HRV and metabolic load from heart rate. We measure mechanical load from GPS. We have force place measurements, velocity base measurements, movement screen measurements, sleep and wellness measurements. The question I have is, how do we measure nutrition? It's a huge topic. It's a huge um, important factor in all of professional and college sports and I get all kinds of answers to this we teach them how to shop and cook and that's great I think that's one of the factors that needs to be brought into play especially with every athlete at all levels Um, we give them meal plans and PDF presentations I have seen more PDF presentations and more um, meal plans established for athletes that in all actuality just go on one ear and out the other, and then these meal plans get followed for a short period of time, and then the next thing you know, they're not following those either. And then I think one of the really important aspects of this whole thing is, and another answer that I get very often times, is we do daily logs from, from apps such as um, Spark People or uh, MyFitnessPal or Lose It. And again, another really Uh, effective way of finding out how an athlete is eating. But these are all educational tools. They're not really measurement tools. The real method for measuring uh, nutrition is body composition. And I think this is overlooked a lot of times. I think the bottom line is is that you'll know from what an athlete's doing on a day-to-day basis from his body composition how his nutrition is. If a player's um, fat mass is going up and his fat, fat-free mass is going down or staying the same, 
That guy's probably catabolic, and he's not eating well. It's clearly significant in the sense that, okay, he's not eating well because his fat mass is going up. With the amount of calories that that athlete's burning on a daily basis, his fat mass shouldn't be going up. And then you got an athlete whose fat-free mass is going up and his fat mass is staying the same or going down. He's anabolic. He's losing. He's losing fat mass, and his diet has to be sound. He can't do it otherwise. I think one of the important factors to this whole discussion with regard to body composition and what we're measuring and why we're measuring it is you can take that information from the body composition that you're doing, whether it's skin folds, whether it's bod pod, whether it's DEXA, doesn't make any difference. I would lean more towards the bod pod, but because really what I want to know is I want to know what his um, resting metabolic rate is, and from there I can make some good sound decisions on where his caloric intake should be. Um, more importantly than anything else, my, my sound feeling about it is RDs and nutritionists need to work with performance coaches to be aware of what each athlete's body composition requirements are and then establish sound nutrition from that. Thanks for tuning in to the Pacey Performance Podcast. So today we have a part two with Tim Pello. So Tim was on in 70... Can you remember Tim? 76? Ooh, something like no, that's a great question. I, yeah, a little bit further on, maybe. I'm not quite sure. We'll get there. I'll, I'll put a link out so people can uh, people can get to the first episode. But thanks for tuning in again, and thanks for joining me, Tim. So welcome to part two. Rob, thank you for having me. Um, I really enjoyed our conversations that we've had in the past, and um, as many people continue to say, this is a really great outlet um, for, for insight and information. I'm just really happy to be a part of what you're doing. So thank you so much for, for your efforts. Oh, absolute pleasure. So we're going to discuss a few different things today, but just before we get into the into the chat, I just want to uh, ask you to maybe give us a little bit of an introduction on yourself. Um, so if people haven't tuned into part one, um, they can get a little bit of info about you. <coughs> No problem. Uh, well, first, I would like to introduce the fact that I've I've had about three or four cups of coffee so far. <laughs> so uh, I'm, do, I'm doing I the interesting thing and got tea. I have tea. Uh, <laughs> so good. Sorry. Um, uh, I guess I could start. This is. Uh, I guess I'm in my 16th year of, of strength and conditioning. I, I started in a, in a college setting, the, the GA route. Went and got my master's degree. Um, left and did two or three different internships at different places and facilities, um, one of those being the Olympic Committee. And um, I have been in the private sector. Uh, I've been in the professional sports sector, and um, I've been in the Olympic sector. This is going to be my ninth year um, in being involved with the U.S. Olympic Committee. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a fun road. And uh, I think one of the things that would be fun to kind of preface our conversation is, is we, there's this idea of question and answer. Maybe I, I preface our talk with this idea of, of question and opinion, <laughs> because I don't really know. I think I'll, all I will be able to do today is if, if, you know, is just share an opinion and that opinion is just going to be based upon um, the things that, that, that I've learned and, and have experienced along the way. So. Mm-hmm. No, that's cool, mate. So I was going to mention this at the end, but I'm just conscious that I'll forget. One thing that you've kind of got your um, got yourself into is the um, is the conference that's coming up next year. Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
Wow. Well, thank you. I wouldn't even completely forgot to, to talk about I'm that. So thank you for bringing that up. No, it's fine. <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, we, we're really excited. This is uh, we, we're hosting a, a strength and conditioning symposium in May of, of 2017 to be hosted in Colorado Springs at our Olympic Training Center. And um, we've been working on this initiative for quite some time. And it's just um, it's a it's a it's a unique event. And it's unique because we're trying to find a place and create an environment where Elite, not I say not elite, but we'll say experienced and um, uh, experienced SNCs could kind of come together to meet one another, to have great discussions, to share, to learn, and to grow. And it's it's a really it's a big challenge. We have a committee of people that are that are working on you know going through the it's an application process to in order if, to attend. And it's a really tough challenge for those people to that are on the committee to go through and review those applications and. And it's not to take anything away from the, the novice, the up-and-coming SNC, because there needs to be outlets for them and, and opportunities for them to learn and share and grow. Um, but this is just uh, it's a, it's a unique opportunity for experienced professionals who may be battling the same fights and dealing with some of the same challenges. And uh, experience and insight and knowledge from like-minded or experience um, levels of experience that are similar um, is, is really, really val valuable when it comes to sharing best practices. So we, we're going to probably be hosting some other things as well down the road, but for this specific event, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a little bit unique. Mm -hmm. Cool. So this Thank you. No, that's fine, mate. This makes me look like I know what I'm doing now because I'm just going to seamlessly move that on to our first um, kind of topic of discussion, which was something that we chatted about off air, and that was thatching. So I didn't know what you meant by thatching. Uh, <laughs> I do, I'm get well. I'm guessing it's. I'm hoping it's your term because that's cool. If you come up with a term that we can spread, hashtag thatching. Um, do you want to just uh, give a little bit of explanation on on what you mean uh, and maybe just uh, where that came from and 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 why we're going to discuss it? Why we're going to chat about it? Absolutely. You know. Um, so a little little backstory is. I'm a, I'm a yard guy. Uh, I have a, I have a, a yard in behind my house and, you know, maintaining my yard is, is really important to me. And I've got a lot of grass and, and it's, that's pretty rare in Southern California because you don't really have the opportunity to have much yard, but we found a lot where we have a little bit of yard. So, um, so maintaining it is, 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 is a big challenge. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort, et cetera. And we can kind of talk about that as a metaphor as well, but, um, Actually, I was in the middle of, of thatching my yard <laughs> and my mind is just going bananas around like how this is such a symbolic activity of the things that I do um, in my professional world. And what I mean by that, so this, what thatch is, for those who don't know, thatch is, is, is grass that is old grass, it's dead grass. And when grass dies, it just lays over and it sits on the soil and it basically interrupts the soil from receiving moisture. It, it, it creates a barrier um, from the soil to receive sunlight and other nutrients. So thatch actually over time, if it's not removed as season and season go on, thatch actually interrupts the growth process and the ability for grass to, to spread, to become rich to become more full. And so here I am thatching my yard with a rake and my hands, you know, I've got gloves on, my hands are calloused because it takes so much work 
um, to, to sit here and just rake my yard and get all this, this old crap out of my yard. And once like these piles, it's kind of funny because these, these dead grass piles are just, they're high. I don't know. They're, um, they're full of just brown grass, but it's interesting. I sat back and looked at this pile and within this big pile of brown, old dirt, not dirt, but old, uh, dead grass, you'd see there's a couple nice green blades of grass as well inside of the old grass. So it's, I'm ripping out the old grass, the dead grass, but I'm also ripping out some, some actually some healthy grass at the same time. And I just thought about how um, symbolic that is when it comes to a, an SNC or a human performance practitioner and, and the process that, that we, um, that we should be going through. And as far as taking a look back season to season, reflecting, refining, and potentially getting rid of things that are probably inhibiting our ability to grow as people and in our profession. And so that's kind of where this concept of thatch, this thatching, and we could hashtag thatch, <laughs> but it's, uh, it really, it's, it's a really, it's a great conversation. Um, and I think that and you and I discussed this a little bit offline, but the evolution of a performance provider um, whatever discipline that you're in, if you're in sports psychology or strength and conditioning or physiology or dietetics, we we are so passionate about the mechanics within the work that we do, within the trades and the disciplines, and we, we become such great technicians. Uh, we're very technical in the things that we do, and we actually study the ins and outs to become more technical within our technical fields. And what I've actually, over the course of my process and evolution, is stepping back and, and, and over time becoming more of a tacticianer. And, I, I, and it allows me to become more, have a greater perspective. You know, it's almost like taking the 30,000-foot view from the airplane versus being down on the ground so that I can better know where and at what point in time I need to apply my technical skill um, versus just me being the best technicianer there is and just walking around and throwing out my techniques to everybody. Um, and like I said, sometimes that's good, but sometimes you might be barking up the wrong tree. So I think being a great tacticianer comes with time, and that's kind of the, the evolutionary process. And I think this concept of thatching um, is a way that like a yearly review, a yearly cycle get rid of the old so that we can make room for growth and, and development for the future. Mm -hmm. So you talk about, you talk about that there um, in a kind of uh, reflecting on a, I don't know, like a year's program with a, with an athlete, but how much, how much thatching do you do on a personal level? So how much are you digging into what you've kind of done personally that year or what you're doing personally mm -hmm. in the minute with regards to kind of time commitments and, and time allocation and, weeding out the the crap that doesn't need to be there and 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 allowing room for new how much how much are you going through personally with that you know it's really something that i continue to struggle with personally um it, it just we kind of talk about our schedules and how many things that we have to do and sometimes it's really hard to find the time to sit down and reflect and 
because we're just so we're just so going we're going all the time at high speeds, and so um, it's really something that you kind of have to for me you kind of have to book it. <laughs> you have like you're booking your plane ticket. You got to kind of book some time and. And for me, it's if I sit and book time to say, hey, I'm going to I'm going to spend 30 minutes of reflection and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to reflect for 30 minutes. I'll sit for that 30 minutes and my mind goes, it, it just goes all over the place. I just it's out of control. And so for me, what I need to, for me, I, I have to find time where I'm actually doing some sort of activity that's mindless. It might be walking. It might be riding my bike. It might be going for a jog. Um, it might, but I need some sort of solitude to where I'm not connected, um, we, so that I can get creative and I can have some thought on my own. And, and those are the times when I, I think that, that I'm able to do this reflection process, um, to dive into reflection. I think there's, there's two areas that, that I like to kind of talk about or not talk about, but to think about one is this area of of, of personal, like how is this affecting my personal life outside of my professional life? And then there's this reflection of my professional life. And if we look at those, this, this concept of reflection and refining and re so that we can retool, hopefully we're doing it so that we can find a way to change or we can find a way to improve what we do going forward. So, um, Professionally, we can talk about some of the technical things. Um, over the years, what I always look back on is my, the programs that I've written. And it's really interesting, the evolution of just the way that I, that I think, the information that I've gathered from, from peers, from peer-reviewed articles and journals, but also learning how athletes are responding. So I think it's, to, to kind of dive off course a little bit, there's people that they're very, um, they, they'll have information in front of them with the athletes that they're working with and it will tell them one thing or another, but they're, they won't look at that. They're looking at an article that's telling them what they should do. And for me, it's like, well, the, the information's in front of you and, and you're actually learning, you have the opportunity to learn about the environment and the, the organisms that are in front of you, like these, these bodies and these athletes, that's your population. And, and I think that we need to find ways, we need to create checks and balances so that as we're writing programs, whether it's a fitness program, a, a metabolic program, a, a, you know, a strength program or um, whatever program that we're, we're trying to implement, that we can find a way to know whether it's working or not working. And, and that really helps um, streamline, increase our uh, focus and also improve our efficiency with the things that we're prescribing. So for me professionally, it's always trying to do that every year with the athletes, with the programs, um, and trying to find things that work. Because sometimes what, what science says works doesn't work in, in, in maybe potentially, and I can't say doesn't work, but there's a potential that it may not work in my environment with my athletes, with the amount of time that I have, with the lifestyles that they have. Um, and so I just think it's really important to learn from lots of, sort, lots of things. And so my programming has, has evolved over years as a result of this process. Um, I think one of the things specifically, probably six years ago, I had a, a battery of tests that I was doing to test every physiological uh, system there was. We're going to do 
strength tests and speed tests and conditioning tests. And we're going to do single leg tests, asymmetry tests. We're going to do all these tests. And it took me a week <laughs> to, get, to, to get through testing. And I literally, when I went back and looked at it, I'm like, how many training days did I lose potentially? And did it provide me enough feedback that really made me to make tons of changes to this athlete's program? And when, let's say maybe we, I only had them before this next tournament for four weeks, well, I just lost a week of training for the, for the sake of testing. So I, I mean, I've had to go back and say, okay, well, what's really important here? What are my big rocks? You know, what, where am I going to get the most bang for my buck and what's going to give me the information that I need without, with, without, um, without losing too much training time. And there's this other concept that testing is training and training is testing, which I'm a firm believer of as well. I mean, the numbers that we see and the, 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 the conditioning work that we do does give me insight to a specific status of the athletes. So programming is, is one thing, um, you know, professionally, how much time I'm spending, uh, with different, with different programs, the relationships that I, that I maintain with other disciplines. I think one of the interesting things that, uh, an S and C coach, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on the, I'm on the, in the school or I'm in the bus of, we don't work by ourselves. We don't, we don't operate in a silo. And we, we have to be a great, um, provider of prescriptions for strength and, and fitness. But we also have to, if we don't know how to be a great teammate, um, and be a great neighbor, then, then we, I think we're missing, we're missing a really big chunk. And I think we're actually, we're pigeonholing ourselves. And so for me, the, you know, how we maintain and how we sustain and how we instigate some of these professional relationships um, with our physios, our athletic trainers is really important. And, uh, those are just, you know, things that you learn over a course of time, how much input, you know, what do you guys, you know, how, how we talk. Um, that's, that's another really important thing. You know, boundaries is another one. I mean, that's a big, big topic to talk about. Um, you know, at what point do I, do I, do I just turn the lights off and shut the laptop and get in my car and, and head home to be with my family? Um, that's, you know, cause the, the challenge is, is as many of the people that are probably listening to your podcasts, this is a field that I'm quite passionate about. I'm quite passionate about science and I'm quite passionate about people. And I'm actually quite passionate to, to serve people and help people get better. And the problem is, is that that passion will kill me. Mm, absolutely. It, yeah. uh, it just, it just, there's just no, there's just no stopping it. And so it just, I don't know when to say when my father, uh, many years ago, when I took a, a coaching director job back in 2006, one of the things that he, he, he has a, at the time he had a, uh, an administrative manager position. He, we sat down and over a whiskey and he said, you know, the challenge is, is that once you become a manager or once you become a director and you're working with people, um, and you're not working on a, like on a conveyor belt where, you know, you just, you know, put this here and you, and it's very controlled and very roboticized is your job is, is to create more work for yourself. You know, your job isn't, you know, leave, leave when I think maybe you and Darren, Darren Roberts maybe talked about this a little bit, but, but the job is, is to create more work. And so if, if you, if you wait until work is over, that's never going to happen. So this, this challenge of finding ways to create our own, um, 
triggers and finding ways to create boundaries. And, and this day and age, I had a conversation. Maybe to, I'm sorry, I'm talking so much here, Rob. That's fine, mate. Um, you go. That's fine. We uh, had a conversation this past week. Um, I'm taking a course. Um, uh, it's kind of a, a leadership, executive leadership course. And this one of the big discussions that we got talking about was the the millennial generation and one of the big challenges with that generation is that there's everybody's used to being so connected um, all the time. I mean, they're, they're connected through, I mean, they just grow up and that's what it is. The internet, the internet came around while I was, um, I think I was in college and the internet came around or maybe I was in uh, coming out of high school, but I had like AOL was a big thing and um, all these, you know, things that just aren't around anymore. And the, the, the today, we have a generation that's growing up and that's just what the connected is, is part of their life. Yeah. And, and th- when there's connection, there's no boundary and, and there's no margin between everything. Everything just kind of blends together. There's no, Hey, I'm going to stop working and I'm going <laughs> to start being, being a dad, or I'm going to, I'm going to stop working so that I can like enjoy life outside of work. Now that doesn't mean that we can't be passionate about what we do, but I think that my, that the concept of being so connected, it, it, it shackles our ability to be better people outside of the work that we do. Yeah. Like and it, it limit, yeah. It limit, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say that's, that's exactly what uh, Darren said on his, on his, uh, on his episode that I did with him. And he said it a million times to me kind of privately when, and it's 10 o'clock at night and you're watching TV with your wife, girlfriend, whatever, and you're on your phone emailing athletes or checking up on Twitter or whatever, you're working. You are working. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we, we had a long chat and I, think I don't, I don't want to go um, over that again. But one thing that I was just going to bring up was, and it kind of goes back to pretty halfway through what you, you, your um, little talk there, and that was an email I got from, someone off the back of Darren's uh, podcast, Darren's episode. And it was, it was something that we both said and it was exactly, um, pretty much exactly that. And that's the, the pressure of seeing things on social media because we're so connected, seeing that <coughs> Tim's on leadership course. Shit, should I be on leadership course? Like he's doing that. <laughs> you know what I mean? What, like oh, they're, they're reading that yeah. article. Shit. I, I probably should read that article. And then just because it just balloons and then mm-hmm. this this guy had emailed me and said, really interesting what you said, because I feel guilty when I'm not doing um, something that's kind of aiding my career. So I'll sit down, I'll read a, a paper because I've seen it on Twitter because other people have read, are reading it and they've got loads of retweets, blah, blah. But when I'm, when I, when I go away and I, I go out, I feel guilty that like, but I'm not, I'm not reading that. And I, I should, I probably should be reading that because other people are reading it. And it's like, oh my God. This is like the walls are closing in and we're all getting trapped into this this kind of bubble of like work, constant, constant pressure of career work and not being able to get rid of it because we're, we're in it. We're in the hamster wheel and yeah. it's so hard to get off. It's so hard. You know, in the, it, it, as you're talking, my mind, and I'm just trying to absorb the things that you're saying, and my mind is going crazy because – that's that that brings up a really good topic of 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 we we're if you're a performance practitioner 
if you're a dietitian, if you're a psychologist, if you're a physio, if you're a strength and conditioning, whatever you're, if you're a head coach of a sport program, you're in a leadership position. You're, you're, you're working with people. You're helping direct them. You're guiding them. You're giving them influence. You're providing them insight. And one of the things that I think I've mentioned with you briefly is that kind of idea of having to play keep up. I've got to, I've got to keep up with this, you know, this, this new current trend. I've got to keep up with this new article or this new book or this idea of playing keep up. You know, everybody will always in sport. Well, that's the greatest example is because if all you're doing is preparing to beat your opponent, you actually may not actually be getting better because all you're doing is preparing to beat that person. When we're preparing to beat our previous performance, we will always find ourselves in places where we're getting better. And if it, so re- refining and defining, I think we, and this comes back to, we need to, as, as, as mentors or as people who have been in the profession for a little bit of time, I think it's really important to be able to share and teach and delineate these messages and we have to teach people that are coming up that you have to be able to take control because being connected is giving away your control a little bit because now I feel like I have to do this and I've got to do that and I got to be here and I've got to do that. Well, if you don't know what you want to stand for and you don't know what you're trying to do, you're just going to, you're just going to do everything. Which Um, means doing nothing. Which means, yeah, yeah, a lot lot of the time it just gets too much and you just do nothing anyway. Yeah. And, and, and part of it is, is the old adage of keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm keeping up with the Joneses down the street. Well, you know, in the U.S., you know, the Christmas lights are obviously, I guess, around the world, the Christmas lights are really great. Actually, last December, I was in Italy and I was shocked. I went through Modena and I went through Rome and I went through all these different cities in December and it was so gorgeous. Christmas lights. Sorry, that was off topic. But um in the U.S., like we have these like competitions within the neighborhoods. Like I've got, you know, the uh, the sh- the the movie National Lampoon's Christmas yeah. Vacation is a perfect <laughs> example. You know, you've got Chevy Chase who's battling, you know, the guy across the street with his lights, and my lights are better than your lights. And I think at the end of the day, we just need to sit back, become more aware of of who we're working with, and are we doing the best job that we can. And are we reflecting enough on what we're actually doing so that we can retool and we can retune our ability to be better next year versus looking outwardly and saying, wow, they're doing this. And, oh, that guy's doing this. Now I need to do that. Well, basically what you've done is you've opened up your receptors to what everybody else is doing. And you've completely lost track with the things that you've already done and the things that you're doing. And if you can... well, that's, that's one way to look at it, but you can also be open to listen to what other people are doing so that you can take a couple nuggets here and there, and then you can reapply them to what you're doing. So there's a couple different ways. I just think that if we're anchored in, 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 in values and beliefs and things that you're trying to accomplish within your programs, it's just, it's too easy to try to keep up with the Joneses. Um, and that, that actually, it's funny because there's this concept of, of being young and dumb and I, and actually what I like to do is this, this is my personal reflection. So I'm going to talk about me um, personally. This is not anybody else, but I was, there was a time when I was young. I was very dumb, <laughs> but I was very, but I was, but I was very bright. 
so being young, dumb, and stupid, or being young, dumb, and bright, because I was very, very smart. I think when I, I graduated uh, with my master's degree in 2002, and I had I had a really good opportunity um, experiences. I've learned for I had a lot of really good people who taught me a lot of wonderful things. And when I left these different positions and I was done with graduate school and I was out in the world and I, I really started getting very frustrated because I, it was, how come people don't see it? How I see it. Like, it's not that hard. You, you, you don't know anything. You don't how, and so I actually, I sat down and I started writing a book in, in like 2006. I'm like, I'm so frustrated. People just don't get it. And I'm like, I just need to, I need to tell everybody how it is. And I started, I got like 30 pages into this book and I just got to the point where I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> um, because I was just, I, was, I started, I was learning so much information and I was absorbing it so fast that I just wanted to, I wanted myself to be a conduit and I just wanted to share the message and the gospel, so to speak, without really understanding that there's a time and a place. And I actually didn't have enough experience applying all of that information that I was gaining, although it was smart information, it just, it wasn't, it hadn't, it hadn't been refined. So I use the, the example of river rocks. Um, so if, if our, if a rock, uh, breaks off of a, of a mountain and it's really jagged, it's really rigid. It's probably got some pointy tips to it. Um, there's no way that that you could walk barefoot over a rock garden that was at the base of a mountain because these rocks are really, they could probably cut you. Well, if you take that rock and you put it in, in a, in a high, um, a very fast flowing river and you, and it stays in that river for many, 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 many years. What happens is, is, is that it rounds out the, <laughs> the roughness kind of smooths over the rock doesn't go away. But what happens is, is that rock now is able to live in that environment in the river of things passing over it at a high speed and it's adapted so that it, it, it could, it could do that. And so what I like to say that when I came out of school or even maybe when I was five years outside of school, I was super bright. I was super smart. And I, I think if you were to ask me back then, I was probably smarter then than I am now. Actually ask me now. I thought I was much smarter then than I am now. But I had no idea on how I was applying it. I was armed with all this information. I just didn't, I had a, I had an arsenal, but I didn't know how to shoot. I didn't know where to fire. I didn't know how to aim anything. And I think experience is something of this day and age um, has become much more of a, it's, it's, we have a, a responsibility in the field, I think, to help empower the people that are, go, that are coming up through the system to talk to them about experience because they can't get experience from, from listening to me and you talk on this conversation. They can hear about what it could do, but it doesn't really help them make a decision unless they're in the moment and, they, and, and they've actually wrote the prescription and they're dealing with the feelings that come from messing up. Um, I think we, there's an emotional attachment that we have when we do something good, we feel good about it, when we do something wrong or the, the time constraints that we may have or our, our, our limitations and the amount of influence that we have, you, you can't learn that. And so I think you, we, have a, we have a role because you can't get that from Twitter and you can't get that from Instagram and you can't get that from textbooks and you can't get that from articles. Um, so that's, that's, sorry, I just kind of went off on a tangent. I, I apologize. There, uh, sorry. 
So we're just going to take a very quick break in the chat with Tim. I hope you're enjoying it so far. So part two coming up very, very shortly. Just want to say a massive thanks to Vald Performance for sponsoring the episode again today. So as I mentioned just before Christmas, I'm really excited to announce that they have launched their solution for measuring hip and groin strength, which is called the Groin Bar. So if you want to check that out, you can go to groinbar.com or follow them on Twitter at groinbar. So on the same lines as the Norboard, which adds to the uh, adds to the range from Vile Performance. So massive thanks to them guys for sponsoring the episode today and always. So part two coming up with Tim. Hope you enjoy and you're in that reflective type of mood. Speak soon. It brings you quite nicely um, onto just what I said before about the kind of time management side of things. And it was something that we, we chatted about again off air. And that was um, the magic number, the 168 magic mm. number. Do you just maybe want yes. to, to talk about that first of all and, and kind of where that comes from and how maybe how you not apply it, but how you kind of work around that and, and divvy your time up to, and maybe how someone <clears throat> who is struggling with that may, may do the same. Mm. Yeah. So bringing some of the content that we just talked about, one of those being our passion. Um, one of my mentors told me, you know, he's like, what is your strength? And we started talking about these things and, and I said, a strength of mine is I have a lot of passion. And he goes, you have to be very careful because if you're very passionate about something and you don't have any, any, any borders, any rules or any framework that your passion is, you want to try to keep it in, your passion will kill you because, and, and it, what happens is it just, it will, it will, your passion will throw you in all these different directions. And the next thing you know, you're, you're, you're doing a thousand things and you're doing a thousand things that that aren't having that much impact versus putting some framework together and you're kind of taking your passion and you're kind of increasing its, its potency and you're increasing its, uh, um, its ability to have more impact. So going back to that is, is this idea of taking control. Um, as an example, uh, I think I, I shared with you, we had talked back and forth on a Twitter message back, um, and there was a period of time I took a month off from being on Twitter, and it was amazing. Yeah. So, so why, why did you do that, Tim? Why did you do that? Which is you know, which is crazy that we're actually this. It's, uh, it's bizarre that I'm asking you because I'm so like buzzing, I'm so excited that you decided to take a month off, not going on Twitter. Like, how is that such a big thing? But it is. In 2016, you know, it's, it's crazy. It's, it, it's, it's it, 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 But anyway, go I, I, I feel terrible talking about it. I feel like I'm, I, like I'm in a, like a, a Twitter anonymous like group right now. But I think <laughs> it's, it's like this, it's, I sit and I'll, and I, I, I'll, I'll be on my phone and I'm, I love information and that's, I'm, I'm addicted to information and I'm addicted to seeing what people do. And so I'll just sit there and I'll just flip my thumb and I'm like, Oh wow, cool. And then I'll bring me to a link and that brings me to something over here. And I'm like, Whoa, I never even thought about this. And it's just like this whole exploratory, like, like, I don't know what's coming up next. I'm kind of excited. And, and, and so I'll do that. And the next thing, you know, I've blown out two hours or I'll blow, I'll blow out 20 minutes. And I literally, it's, it's gotten to a point. I mean, it sounds, I, I, gosh, I'm, I, 
<laughs> sounds so bad right now, but <laughs> I just got to a point where I this is it's like kind of taking over. It really is. It's 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 actually starting to take over, and it's controlling. It's controlling me because it's not allowing me to do some other things that I want to do. And so I just got to the point where I was like, you know what? The best thing that I need I need to get away from this right now. Uh, and it's not disregarding how much wonder how great. There's some really great content, depending upon who you follow. I don't follow the people that are just posting about their food and you know what they're doing this afternoon. Um, but um, I, I had to take a break. I had to step back so that I could find myself and and control my time. And this and because it, it Twitter will control my time for me. Um, and I think what what if there's this the quote I've actually threw it out there the other day is that if you're not willing to control your time and attention, there are many other things in this world that will control it for you. And so for me, that's what I had to do. Uh, and it sounds pretty drastic. And here I am sitting here. I think I, I feel like I'm sitting in a circle and I'm divulging some of my, my weaknesses. Um, but at the same time, I, I'm very happy to do so because it's it, I, actually I want to do another one. I just have been back on for a week and I'm like, man, <laughs> I found out how much it pull, it just pulls me in. And maybe I have an addictive personality or I don't know, but it, it, so long story short, I took it off my phones and it, it was refreshing because I didn't feel, well, it was actually very uncomfortable. Let's be clear. It was very uncomfortable because I felt like I needed to like go see what was going on. Or I felt like, man, this is normally I'd be sitting here and I'd be wanting to scroll through my phone when I get up in the morning or, Hey, you know, who can I talk to? And it was, it was a really, it was challenging. But then after a week, I felt refreshed. I felt, I felt like, Man, I don't feel like I have a chain, and as bad as it seems, because it is such a great resource, it it can it became like a ball and chain. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of where that went. And if you want to bring that into the 168, I think if we can't lead ourselves and we can't control our own personalities and we can't control our own time and we can't control our own attention, then then that's that's how can we be? How can we ask athletes and how can we um, how are we being a great example for them when we're asking them to control the controllables? Um, so the 168 is, is, is something that actually got brought up to me last, last week in this course that I'm in. And it really just hit home and it, it goes in line with everything that I just talked about is there's only 168 hours in a week. And if we start from there, it, let's say you're programming to, to peak for the Olympic games and let's say we're five months out. Well, five months out, how many training sessions are we going to have within that five months? And what's the strategic focus for the, you know, for practice plans? Okay. How is that going to impact what I'm going to do? And so I start planning for five months. I don't plan for 12 months. I'm planning for this five months for, so if I'm looking at my week, you know, I have 168 and that's it. It's a limited resource. I, I'm not going to get any more and I'm not going to get any less. And where I and where I really, if I literally try to periodize my time or program my time, I don't know. If you were to say, um, maybe your goal is to get seven hours of sleep a night. Now that's not ideal, but maybe that's all you get. So that puts you 168. That brings you down to like 100, roughly 120 hours a week. Now, if you were to ask yourself, like, hey, how much time? You know, what are what are you what are what what are things that that are priorities to you? Like Rob, like what? Is is your career a priority? Is your family a priority? Is is you um, getting out and uh, 
finding a release from all this pressure and, and the work that you do, having some fun, is that a priority for you? Is is being a good citizen in the world a good? Is that is that a priority for you? You know, go you know work at a soup kitchen or something, um, or your faith? Maybe maybe you have some sort of faith that you or or spirituality or spirituality that is a priority to you. And if if you list those you know on a scale of you know one to six, like what what are these priorities? And you look at 168 or 120. How, how do those ratios line? Do do the amount of time? If you just reflect back, going back to this idea of reflection, if you just reflect back one week or two weeks or three weeks, how does the hours that you spent reflect on this idea of the priorities that you truly have? Because sometimes it can be really it could be really skewed. Now, obviously, you need to work to to be able to to have an income, to have a life, to pay the bills, to to do these different things. So you're obviously going to have a little bit more time spent in the, in the work environment, but when your work starts to bleed and it just like, maybe it's not bleeding. Like you have a, just a little cut on your forehead, but maybe you gashed a, you know, a femoral artery (laughs) and your work is bleeding all over your weekend and it's bleeding all over your evenings and it's bleeding all over your mornings. Like at some point, like, if you don't know that it's bleeding and you're not self-aware that you're literally bleeding, not just from a little capillary, but you're bleeding from an artery, then, then you don't know. You just don't know. And, and if you're in it, it's, it's hard to see. It's hard to see the forest when you're sitting in, like in the middle of the trees. And so you need to kind of find a way to pull ourselves back. And so that's kind of, that's kind of that mantra. That's kind of that 168. And it's, um, it's, the guy, if you're interested, there's a book that he wrote. It's, um, I think the topic is how to be our best. And his name is Harry Kramer. Um, we had, I had the opportunity to sit down with him for four or five hours last week and he's just a phenomenal guy and he's got a lot of good, um, tactics and strategies on, on just how we can just be better leaders of ourself. And, and, uh, he actually said something, you know, there's so many people that are great leaders until, until they're given people to lead. One thing, one, yeah. One thing I've written down there is is um, probably from a personal point of view is being present, and that comes back to the kind of social media side of things and and attention being elsewhere, even though you've kind of allocated time to do a certain thing. So, for instance, I'm at the minute I'm putting pretty much everything in my diary. So I'm. Come, it's horrible, but the calendar's on my phone, so I'm on my phone doing my diary when I don't want to be on my phone. But anyway, um, so I've got my calendar, and everything's in there, so work stuff. But I'm also putting distractions in there, or what, I, what I've kind of named distractions, mm. whether that be going to the cinema, going for a bike ride, going on a bike, uh, going to the gym. So everything's in there because at the minute I'm finding that if it's not in there, it's not getting done. And... Previous to that, I would try to allocate time to um, spend some time with my girlfriend. But that time would be, like you say, would be bled all over by other things because it was, uh, I wasn't present. I was on my phone. I was doing something. I was emailing someone. I was checking this, doing that. So although I'd allocated that time to do that certain thing, I wasn't doing it. All the rest of the shit was still involved. And I went through a stage uh, of I went through a stage of turning off, um, well, not going on social media from a Friday night to a Sunday night because weekend was either working 
or spending time doing stuff that I want to do in life and not just being consumed by my phone. And that worked an absolute dream. And I, I can remember feeling so good after doing that, but then you just slip back into um, into the kind of norm and I didn't carry that on, but that's definitely something I'm, I, I want to pick up again because it's so refreshing, like you say. You know, it's it um, what you're when you're sharing that story and that it just resonates with time. We had a coach um, uh, who was he had he was he had he had uh, he was a gold medal coach and or he had re- he had achieved a gold medal with the team that he was coaching and he was doing a talk for one of our teams um, and he was leaving. Uh, the international game. He was leaving the Olympic, the national team to move on to, to a different career path. And he's a coach that had two young children and we're sitting in front of the whiteboard and, you know, we're doing our white, you know, the whiteboard, you know, pre-practice kind of conversation. And, and he says something, he's like, I have to make a decision. And obviously we're all sitting on the edge of our, you know, we're sitting on the edge of our seats. And he's like, I've, I've decided that I'm moving on. And, Everybody's like, you got to be kidding me. You know, like, this is crazy. Yeah, exactly. We're like, and, and then he said something that just hits straight home. And the idea of working so hard, you know, going back to like an image. So, you, you know, all those coffee mugs that are out there, you know, world's greatest grandpa and world's greatest dad and world's greatest coach. And he said, you know, at some point I've, got, I've had to figure out that <clears throat> it's important to, to work super hard to become the world's best coach. But at some point, I want to be the world's best dad, and I need to be the world's best husband, and I need to be the world's best at those. And everything is drawing for my attention. And if I don't make a conscious decision to become the world's best dad or the world's greatest dad, it's not going to happen. I can't, I can't think it's going to happen, and it happens. I have to make a conscious decision, and I have to deal with some, some, some feelings of being uncomfortable in that process but at the end of it, it's going to allow me to do some things that will give me some time with my kids that I'm never going to get back. And so the, the other side of it is, is and, and we're really talking in a whole nother, uh, a whole nother realm here, which is, which is fun to talk about. But, um, you know, how many, how many people this day and age that are coming up through professional systems, you know, going to school and getting their time and they're young in their profession – and they're working 80 hours a week or 70 hours a week. They don't have the time to go meet somebody else. They don't have the time to go do something. And if they do, they're probably on their phone. So they're actually not getting quality time. <laughs> so what it's doing is it's impairing that person's ability to maybe have a life out, have a life, you know, for that direct, that period of time, that day, that week. But maybe now they're not getting those life experiences to meet somebody, and that's now they're not able to have a family. I mean, this is really taking it far, mm-hmm. but potentially that might say, "Hey, now you're 35. You've been working the whole time. You don't you don't have any friends. You don't even have a significant other, and you've always talked about wanting to have a family." Well, well, good luck. It's too mm-hmm. late. Yeah, um, might, I think it might sound, it might sound extreme, but I think that's that's reality for a lot of a lot of time, unfortunately. And and it's and it's it's and it's tough. I think part of part of that process is this kind of concept of keeping up with the Joneses. And if I don't put my time in, then I'm not going to get this, that, or the other. And 
you know, not to discredit that because I believe you have to put your time in because you need experience. That, that's that river rock. You know, you, you got to kind of, you know, get you be be um, molded and tuned and, and, and um, adaptable. Um, but I think the other thing it just kind of maybe maybe along those lines, but technology and how much we going back to control, like how much are we controlling the things that we're doing? How much are we letting? companies control the decisions that we're making um, versus us sitting back, being more mindful, having more reflection, focusing on the things that we've already done versus thinking about all the things that I haven't done yet. And I just want to get kind of crazy, like a, like a Labrador walking into a room full of tennis balls where you just get really, (laughs) just really excited. And you're like, which ball do I go after? This is so fun. And you just, you, you, you've lost all of your attention because you spread it so thin and you've let people make decisions for you. Um, and that's, that's, that's a big challenge that we have nowadays. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just, I'm just quite conscious of time, Tim. Um, oh, so I'd like to uh, not, not because I'm not, because I'm not enjoying the chat and I did, I, I loved the chat last time and just as much, just as much this time. But, um, I'm just going to, I'm just going to round up and say, well, firstly, thanks a lot for giving up some easy time but what obviously the, the the conference that we mentioned at the start i didn't ask you how can people uh how can people mm. apply and and what's the kind of process they will uh they'll go through yeah so we have um there's a just I mean, i'll give you the specifics that we have five people on the review committee we have uh better reviewing applications um we have some you know we have a professional that works in professional sports we have somebody working in the collegiate sports setting we have somebody in the private private sector. And we also have a few people within our USOC organization. So the whole point is to kind of create a spectrum of people's opinions and perspectives when they're reviewing the applications. And so that's just, I think it's important to talk about that because some people just don't know. Um, and then, so if you are, if, if there is anybody who's interested in applying, um, we have a, a, our coaching education um, department with the Olympic committee is if they have a link that's set up, you could go to Google and you could type in Google USOC high performance uh, strength or high performance strength and conditioning symposium, and you'll find it. An easy way to access it is um, on my Twitter account. I've, I've pinned the tweet, so it's the top tweet. If you want to kind of click that link, you can find a lot more information out about it. If you're interested in in being a part of it, um, we're doing some updates too. We've had some um, some organizations, people from organizations. We've kind of started populating some of the people that are going to be there. And again, it's 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 not to discredit the learner, the student who who's trying to make their way. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to create an environment where experienced pro- professionals can come together and talk about things that that they've ha- that they are also dealing with. Whether you're a director and you're managing a staff, or you're working with a head coach and you've been doing it for 20, 30, 15 years. Um, I don't know. That's I don't want to get. I don't want this to be an an, an advertisement for that. Yeah. So thank you for that. But no, no, but yeah, yeah. There, so I thank did, you. I just wanted to make sure. I just wanted to make sure the information was out there because I, I looked and, thank and you. We, we've spoke about it before and and I spoke to Darren who's going. Um, another guy over here that's that's going to accompany him. Um, oh, nice. Who may end up uh, strangling him on the plane, but that's that's another thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, oh. So yeah, I think Darren's super excited to go. It looks a great event. So I was just yeah, I was just making sure that. Um, Thank you aware. so much. No, that's fine, mate. It looks, it looks great. So where can <laughs> talking about Twitter again and <laughs> the, the, the T word? Where can people keep up with what you've got going on when you are on Twitter? 
Yeah, uh, my my Twitter handle is tpolo7. Um, you know, it, and I, I'm I'm a pretty open door, and I love just to I love meeting people. I love talking shop and sharing stories, or even listen. I love listening to what what other people are doing. So if you can email me if you're interested, it's timothy t i m o t h y dot hello at usoc.org if you are interested in connecting if if let's say you try to reach out on a direct message on a twitter or try to um please feel free to reach out to me if you have any i don't know if there's things that you want to talk about um i would be game thank you so much no that's fine mate. and where, where are you based again tim southern california um yeah i'm in southern california okay. i'm in the the orange county region um horrible horrible about i bounce yeah horrible and right now <laughs> we're we're it's i don't think we're having a, a bright blue sunny day it's probably sure. 70 degrees fahrenheit um yeah i gotta go get my gotta go get my post thanksgiving day turkey torture <laughs> workout in to burn off the the caloric loading that i did yesterday no that's good mate that's good it, yeah it sounds awful it sounds awful there um <laughs> well you know you are welcome to come and, and hang out with me anytime i'll take you to the as as many people have come, I'm I'm all about going and, and sharing and showing people the the local microbrews, uh, the local coffee shops. And this isn't the coffee shops that you have in Amsterdam. These are the coffee shops that are, you know, where you actually get coffee and tea. Are they kind of um, the kind of coffee shops, <laughs> the kind of coffee shops that I saw in Seattle? Well, oh, was, um, yeah, that's exactly right. Excellent, yeah. Um, the little not the little huts that 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 you stop on the side of the road and get a coffee as well as seeing other things. No. <laughs> no, not them kind of. No, 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 no. <laughs> good. Not, not good. one of those. Good. They, they, they do a good job of not letting that happen around here. But we, we find our, we have a good time. Well, yeah, you know, I'll take you to the beach. You know, we can get you up on a surfboard. Um, take you out into the mountains here. Get you on a mountain bike and you know go tear up some trails. That sounds like fun. That sounds does sound like fun. And just to come back right just before I've, I've written it down. That was my first thing that I wrote down. Have you got a leaf blower to deal with your thatch in the in the backyard? Because if you that haven't, is, I got a leaf blower recently, and it's it's, it's changed my life. It's a life changer. Uh, it's not well, it's, only leaf blower; it's a leaf vacuum. So it turns it to mulch, oh, and you can put it in the bin. Yeah, just getting. Well, you know, I that's 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 that's. I think you've one upped me, but I think one of the things that I've learned, my hands are are, are calloused uh, quite a bit, and obviously from being in a weight room and and grabbing bars and dumbbells and 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 the knurling all and all that stuff has has a, has its way with your hands. But you know, the rake, the rake is is a workout, you know, and and um, I don't know, maybe I need to step up my game. Maybe you need to shoot me a link to where I can pick up and take a look at your. Leave back your equipment there. Yes. <laughs> no, I will certainly do that. I'll absolutely do that. Hundred percent. I'm on it now. I'm on it now. Fantastic. Cool. Well, thanks again for your time, Tim. Uh, really appreciate your uh, your insight, and it was great to uh, to do a part two. Yeah, this like a, I I'm really excited um, to be a part of what you're doing, and um, thank you so much for having me back on. I I, I just it's been great, and I, I listen to I listen to the work that you do quite often, and it's just such it's great to just have the ability to listen to people's perspectives and their and their thoughts. So thank you so much. My, my pleasure, my pleasure. So we'll we'll keep in touch, and we'll sort out that uh, little short flight over to uh, Southern California for me. Eh? Sounds great. Let's do it. Absolutely, mate. Speak soon. Thank you, Rob. See you, mate.
Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to episode 117 of the Pacey Performance Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the chat with Tim. Just before I let you go, just want to remind you that the Pacey Performance Podcast has changed homes. It's a new house, nice, lovely new house at strengthofscience.com. So if you jump over there, there's a lot of new content on there in, in terms of articles and the audio abstract that I'm really excited about bringing you. So definitely check that out uh, and let me know what you think. So really looking forward to bringing you some cool guests over the next couple of weeks. Definitely some big hitters coming on the show, which is great. So thanks again for tuning in to episode 117 and I will speak to you soon.